1: And now, it's time to get to work.
0: Well, Ian, it's, uh, it's a Thursday night game this week, and I think that the most interesting aspect of it is that the outcome of this game is going to push Broncos country into one of two directions. Uh, there's no way anybody uh, isn't already thinking about it. People have mentioned it, and so uh, I'm not going to go too deep down the rabbit hole, so to speak. But there is a, a sort of a, an overarching feeling of doom and gloom. And if the Denver Broncos can't beat the New York Jets on Thursday Night Football, I, there's going to be a, a large portion of Broncos country who start to think about the future. And they're starting to look at the draft. And they're starting to wonder what the Broncos might be doing with that first pick. And there's a name out there. And, and it, it's got luscious hair. And it is, uh, it is a, a popular name that is, you can see the hair flip back and you, uh, my favorite gif of it is when he turns his head and the hair flips back behind his head with his helmet on. I'm just telling you, people are starting to whisper, Trevor, Trevor, I'm just saying it's out there.
1: And not Simeon.
0: Nope. I guess I should st- – Simeon doesn't have good hair.
1: He's balding,
0: right? I'm pretty sure that guy's balding. He, if he's not, he deserves to be. How about that?
1: So you're talking about the quarterback at Clemson I named know. Trevor Lawrence. I almost don't want to say his name. like, I'm, It makes me nervous. And while we – like you said, we're not going to get too deep into it right now because, as you said, this game is probably going to be the determining factor on what side of the fence you fall on. What's amazing to me, before I get into that aspect of it, I misspoke on the postgame recap where I said the Superbook had the Broncos as the underdog against the Jets. At least on Monday morning, it was around two and a half to three points that the Broncos were the favorite. As of recording right now, it's shifted to basically minus 1 for the Broncos. So it's a pick 'em. At this point, it's a pick 'em, which is amazing because in 24 hours, it shifted a full point or a point and a half. Now, back to the tank for Trevor or lose for Lawrence, which I think we both like the lose for Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I feel like tank for Trevor's overdone.
1: This this game is really going to be the determining factor in that. And I get there's going to be people out here who say, but what about Drew Locke? And the whole point is, it's not about Drew Locke. It's about Trevor Lawrence. If the Broncos are going to be so bad that they're in contention for the number one pick, you get a generational quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. There's still question as to whether or not Drew Locke is a franchise quarterback. There's no debate that Trevor Lawrence is a franchise quarterback. I mean, I've told you on... Before recording the last couple of weeks, to me, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect to come out of college since Peyton Manning. To me, Trevor Lawrence is better than Andrew Locke. So, but this is all going to be determined on Thursday night. The caveat. Tim. Because if, if the Broncos win, then that kind of tables the discussion for a while, especially since Drew Locke may be able to come back. Not this Sunday, but the week after that against the New England Patriots and Foxborough, and if not then, then the week after that. So, Locke is going to get back on the field. But I really think, and I've said it in my Play Colorado preview at PlayColorado.com, we're going to know what the rest of this season has in store after this game on Thursday.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think if you – Went with the perfect scenario here. And, and this is, let me just say this because I think it's important that we say it. We, you and I, really like Drew Locke. I don't think there's any um, mistake to be made there. If, if you don't think that, that Ian and I like Drew Locke, then you haven't listened to this podcast and you're new. And that's great. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We like Drew Locke. We like him a lot. And I think the perfect scenario is if you're a Denver Broncos fan, and I, I honestly believe this, the Broncos win, and we're all on board of the Drew train. Drew Drew Lock comes back and shows that he can be a successful quarterback in the NFL and 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 be a franchise quarterback. And the Broncos don't end up with the number one pick, and they're able to take a, a generational left tackle, and they can start fixing the offensive line that has been such a terrible, terrible situation for so so long. That's the perfect scenario, I think. Do I think that's what's going to happen? I, like like you said, I, I don't know. And and Thursday night against the Jets is is what is probably going to make me make my decision as far as what I think the Broncos should do. If you like you said, if you can get a generational talent, if you can get a guy who will lead your franchise for the next twelve to fifteen years and have you in contention at all times, you absolutely have to do it. Look at the Chiefs. I'm sorry. Look at the Chiefs. And I know that that Mahomes was a was the 14th pick or whatever. And nobody knew that this was good what he was going to be. That's fine. But you know what? Especially Ryan Pace. Especially there you go. I got him. But it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. If if Andrew Luck falls in your lap, if John Elway falls in your lap if Dan Marino falls in your lap. I mean, if you're the Miami Dolphins, you lived on Dan Marino for years and years and years because people thought he did drugs or something in back in the 80s. Who cares? I, I'm sorry. When a talent like that falls to you, you have to take a shot. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's the best-case scenario for the Broncos. But who knows? So like you said, we're sort of in wait and see mode. But man, if they can't if they can't beat the Jets, if they can't beat the Jets, blow it up. Blow it up. That's 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 probably the direction I'm going. Anyway, it feels like it's blowing up already uh, as it is because when you look at the injured list, we get to add another name to it. Uh turns out Elijah Wilkinson has injured his leg and is going to be on IR per Bic Fangio today on KOA Radio, as I recall. Was that today
1: or yesterday and- that he said it? He said that today. And then on Monday, Jarrell Casey was added to season ending IR with a torn bicep. Yeah. Just yeah.
0: Sorry, I mean, be
1: there. Benjamin Albright and Andrew Mason have tweeted what the amount of salary is that the Broncos have on injured reserve or injured. And now with Elijah Wilkinson on that list, it's gotta be over 60 million because as of Monday, it was fifty-eight and a half. Fifty-eight and a half million of your salary cap is injured or on injured reserve. That is effing nuts. I think was it Taylor who figured out it's like a
0: quarter of their of of their fifty-three man roster is either injured on injured reserve or has been injured this year uh, so far. I, I mean, to have that many injuries is I've never seen it. I've never seen it before. Uh, I, I've seen teams get the injury bug and get a few injuries to some key players. Sure, it happens. It's the NFL and guys get hurt. This is way different. And, and it's not just Bronco-centric. I think that's the other thing that's that's sort of important to point out. While, while we focus on the Denver Broncos, while that's our main uh, sort of this what we look at, it's not just Bronco-centric. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers have dealt with it. The The <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers have dealt with it. Chris Harris Jr. is is injured right now. I mean, it just That's keeps because happening.
1: he played for the Broncos. That's so true. If you played oh. for the Broncos or, oh. or affiliated, Kyle Eugene Shanahan
0: was his dad was the head coach of the Denver Broncos for a long time. I see. So it's all about affiliation. Whoo. That's it's almost look, I, I almost made a, a coronavirus joke. I won't. It's not necessary, but I will tell you it is it is something that you see throughout the league as being a real problem. And so I, You know, you just you have to deal with injuries, and that's what the Denver Broncos are doing. But it is, I feel like every day I wake up and I look at Twitter, and there's a tweet about a new Bronco that's been injured, and it it just keeps happening. And next man up can only happen. Pretty soon, you don't have any more men to bring up, and it's just it's just all right. Well, we're done (laughs) because who do you keep bringing in? I mean, it's incredible what's going on with the Denver Broncos.
1: And that's why this game is so weird, because you have two bad teams at 0-3, and, and when you're 0-3, you're a bad team. And when you get two bad teams together, you usually get a good game. That's, that seems how it usually plays out. But there's a hundred different scenarios for this game, and literally any of them are possible.
0: That's just the way it's going to go. It's just the way it's going to go. And and this game has implications beyond just the Denver Broncos. We noticed uh, or we had uh, a tweet that came out that it looks like Colin Cowherd has sources that say that if the Jets lose to the Broncos, which is totally possible, who knows, then Adam Gase is out as the head coach of the New York Jets. Okay.
1: Uh, Which should happen because how he is still a head coach is beyond me. Because I think it was Mike Greenberg who laid out He's considered an offensive genius. And then he laid out beautifully the reasons that he's not like when he hasn't had Peyton Manning, his offenses have been horrible. It's the same thing with Mike McCoy. Like you have one flash in the pan because of Peyton Manning and suddenly you're an offensive genius. I don't, I really don't know how Adam Gase has a, has a head coaching job, but what will be interesting, and this is always an interesting sidebar is he really hates John Elway and the Denver Broncos. And you saw that with his uh, onside kick when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins up like, what, 33 to nine or whatever yeah, it, was, it was. And he does an onside kick. I don't kick.
0: know. You were there. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't remember it. I blocked it out.
0: Well, it, and it's It's one of those things where uh, we know what it's like to to not know what how to run a good offense without Peyton Manning. We're dealing with that for five years now. Ever since Peyton Manning left, the Broncos' offense has been
1: abysmal. Speaking of which, the ninth different starting quarterback will start for the Broncos on Thursday because Brett Rippon is going to be the starting quarterback. Which Brett
0: Rippon. You know what that tells you, and this this is what we know now walking out of this. If Drew Locke isn't ready to go by the following week, it will be the tenth starting quarterback because I guarantee it will be Blake Bortles when it is the following week when we get <laughs> we get out of week four and into week five. If Drew Locke isn't ready, it's Blake Bortles. So fire up both fists because it'll be ten, and and that to me is there. It is we just described the Denver Broncos post Peyton Manning ten possibly ten different quarterbacks in five years. Ouch! Ouch! I hate, I hate that. That sucks. All right. Well, I guess should we look at the game? Like Nobody wants to look at it, but should we look at it? I don't think you're wrong, by the way. This could be entertaining. It could be entertaining in multiple ways. It could be like watching a train wreck and you just can't turn away. Or it could be somehow a crazy great football game. I don't know. But there's got to be some keys to the
1: game. And to me, since we mentioned Brett Ripon as the starting quarterback, Broncos have to run the football. I'm not saying that they have to do a la John Fox, Tim Tebow and Kansas City where they, what, threw it two times or whatever it was. But they need to run the football. They have to take the pressure off. To To think that Brett Rippon or Jeff Driscoll is going to win a football game for you, even against the Jets, it's not going to happen. So you need to run the football. And when you get the run game started and you call runs – Because if you look at the last two weeks, you can see the blitz percentage. They're blitzing, and Todd Bowles loves to blitz anyway. But when you have quarterbacks like Jeff Driscoll and now Brett Rippon, of course you're going to blitz because they've never experienced it in the NFL on Brett Rippon's case before. So run the football, which allows you to then run screens. What's the best way to beat a blitz? Screens. But the only way screens work is if you're effectively running the football. So run the football.
0: Yeah, it should be no problem with your starting right tackle out, who's supposed to be your backup right tackle. And you know, I'll stop. It's, I'm sorry.
1: Well, actually, that. he's the backup to the backup because the original starter opted out. That's what. Yeah, that's where I was going. And with then that. Elijah Wilkinson got hurt, and now we're gonna drive the Dotson. Ugh.
0: Anybody who's driving a Datsun is having a problem. I'm just saying we're shouldn't. we we're, we're stuck in a bad spot here. Uh, yeah, my key to the game is it, th- when when teams are this bad and when, when things are this bad, it's hard to find just one key to the game that isn't just we'll play better football. But I, I think one place that has to improve if the Broncos want to win is special teams. And we've talked about special teams ad nauseum here. And if they're not going to be efficient in special teams, then they're not going to win. And it's been an ongoing problem for the Denver Broncos. And, and I still, to this day, have no idea how Tom McMahon has a, has a job uh, because they are not good on special teams. And it is incredibly frustrating to have to deal with that on a week-to-week basis. But if they want to win, then that complementary football that we talk about, special teams is a big, big part of that. And so you have to play complementary football and you have to be good on special teams. So I think if they if they can do that, they can win. And I'm not I'm not saying Brandon McManus is bad and they can't kick field goals. I'm talking about everything else: punt coverage, kick coverage, the
1: you know catching choices, punts, catching punts, just just not, the little not things. Not fielding punts, not fielding punts as a returner. I'm talking as the punter catching right. the long snap. Just not just not dropping
0: the snap. That's usually a, a nice start to a play. So you know, like we said last week or after the game last week, if you have a if you have a safety and a blocked punt you know you're a bad team uh th- let's not have a blocked punt or a blocked kick let's let's see the broncos do well in that regard so that they can actually be in the game and and maybe actually switch field position when necessary maybe actually have a nice return here and there i just Special teams has to play better uh, that's as far as I can go at that point now. So that's my key We need to
1: stop calling them special. We just need to call them teams. Look,
0: they've been assigned a name. I'm going to say the name and we all know they're not special. They're terrible. It's terrible teams, right? We just call them terrible teams until they, until they switch it around terrible teams or just teams, just teams, just like Washington, like the Washington football team. They are the Denver Broncos teams. That's, that's what they are. All
1: right, so you got players to watch. Let's just jump right into it. I, I'm going to go with the offensive line. I and I think we'll see with Brett Rippin. I don't think he's going to be as bad as holding the football as long as Jeff Driscoll was. But now that there's film out there on him, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets' defense does, and I think you're going to see a lot of blitzing. I to me it's on the offensive line. Can they can they get the run game started? I'm not even talking about pass pro. I'm talking about running the football. Can they run block? Can they get a push up the field to at least allow Melvin Gordon to get some carries and will Pat Shermer run the football? Will he will he try to to channel Mike Shanahan where even if it doesn't get anything, he's going to continue to call it. And Kyle Shanahan does that now with the 49ers. So even if it's not successful, will Pat Shermer continue to do it? Because I really think that's the only way the Broncos are going to be able to to effectively move the ball and potentially score points. So to me, it's not one player. It's the whole offensive line. It has got to be better than it has been the last two weeks. Yeah, I,
0: I, I definitely agree with you on that. I, I think I'm going to go with a, a pass catcher, though, uh, who is also a blocker, and I'm going to go with Noah Fant. And he needs to have a better game. He played – uh, pretty poorly. Uh, I know he had okay numbers against Tampa Bay, but it wasn't great. He had a couple drops. He struggled with with uh, with making some key blocks. Uh, he got tossed around a little bit. Uh, he's got to have a better game. And I, I think what we see at this point is, as far as playmakers and just players on the field for the offense, he, in his second year, because of all the injuries and everything that's going on, has become more than just a necessary piece, but also a He's, he ends up being kind of like a leader out there. You've got to have him be successful. If the Broncos are going to win this game, they're going to need to get productivity out of Noah Fant, and he's also going to have to contribute on that offensive line that we keep talking so much about because of how bad it is. He can't get blown up. He can't get beat off the ball. If he's in there blocking, he's got to do a good job or else they're not going to be successful. So he's got to have an all-around good game, not just catching and scoring, but also on the line when they are running the football He's got to be able to block to make that run game work. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking about Melvin Gordon being my player to watch, but I think I think Noah Fant ends up having a bigger impact on this offense because that he's in on those two types of plays. He becomes very important there. So that that's got to be my player
1: to watch on offense. I think this is important to point out that the best player on the offensive line through the first three games has been Garrett Bowles. Yes, it has, and. I will eat crow. Both of us said not to hold our breath. He, he's he been a lot better the first three games. His
0: first holding penalty against Tampa Bay, and it was declined or was offsetting. Is that what it was? I can't remember.
1: Well, it was actually a BS call because it wasn't really a holding penalty. So commend Garrett Bowles for the way he's been able to play the first three games. Now if they can get the rest of the line figured out. The interior of the line – for as good as we thought it would be, has struggled the last two weeks, has to be better on Thursday. Defensively, they, f- they have to find a way to get after Sam Darnold because the last time these two teams played, he torched the defense. He legitimately torched the Broncos' defense. Vic Fangio has to find a way to get pressure on Sam Darnold because if he gets pressured, he craps his pants, and he's not good and he will turn the ball over. So pressure him. And since he's even if they're wearing green you'll still be able to see it.
0: Oh yeah, it green is green it'll show the brown. It'll be fine. I, this is actually the part where I'm going to issue an apology. I owe I owe a player an apology. I went after Jarrell Casey after the Tampa Bay game wondering where he's been, uh, asking if he's actually been on the field. He hasn't been uh, worth the seventh round draft pick that he was traded for. Uh, turns out he's been playing with torn bicep, and I'm a jerk. So, <laughs> my bad. Mea culpa there, Jarrell Casey. But also, what a terrible uh, you know injury to have to deal with. We talked about the the injury bug already. And so, yeah, I, I think that you're right. The, the player to watch is, is definitely up front. But then the other aspect of that is it's Michael Ojemudie and you talked about Sam Darnold torching the defense the last time the Broncos and the Jets played. And I can see that, uh, when you look at that secondary and you look at who's playing out there, you've got Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, all fairly established professional football players. And then you got OJ, right? And Michael Ojemudie is a guy who, uh, has, has stepped up, but he's clearly a rookie. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets didn't, uh, try and exploit him. And he's saying Bassie if he gets on the field and what, you know, whoever else they throw out there, but, but Ojemudie is the guy who, who really has to step up because everybody else, they can avoid him If Michael Ojemudie is incapable of covering his guy. And so, Get to the quarterback. You're absolutely right, but also Michael Ojemudia is going to have to be able to hold up in this in this defense for them to be successful at all.
1: It's I I just I did a video for my job at at Play Colorado, and I was trying to offer betting advice, and it, it's ringing true now as we talk about this. Stay away from this game. Like watch it, but. If you're going to bet on it, don't. I mean, this is just I, – I mean, it, it as a Broncos fan, as a sports fan, as an NFL fan, this is just bad.
0: Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. All right. Do um, you got a bold prediction for this game? Something, something uh,
1: spicy and exciting? So my bold prediction is that this could be a pretty good game. Now, I'm not gonna go as bold as to say it will be a good game. I'm just saying it's going to be a pretty good game. I mean, that's about all I can muster at this point. <laughs> because I don't know the Jets are terrible. The Broncos, do they even have enough people to feel the team?
0: I mean, they'll grab some some people from the from well, no, because they gotta go through uh, you know, COVID uh, protocols, so they can't even just grab anybody, right? no, they can't. Yeah. They're just going to have to play with who they have and and move on. That's just going to be what it is. Your bold prediction is sad. I mean, just like in general, it's just a sad, it makes me sad. I I actually am going to go a different direction and this is going to get me into my score prediction for the game. Uh, My bold prediction is that the Broncos and Jets score over uh, 70 points in this game. Uh, uh, And I'll give you my score here. It's I have the Broncos winning 37, 34. Uh, You know, we talked about this a little bit at, at the top when bad teams get together on thursday night I, a lot of times it results in a, a fun game to watch and something that's exciting and and can be sort of entertaining so you know i see a, a sloppy game a lot of turnovers uh, a lot of bad defensive play a lot of points on the board and i think the broncos i think the broncos pull it out i think they kick a a last second field goal to win the game and they and they combine for uh, 71 points, if my math is right, that's 37, 34 Broncos. I, I feel like that's
1: pretty bold, and and it should be entertaining. And is that not why we're here? So, are you telling our listeners to bet the over if they have legal sports betting in their state? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm not telling you to do. You, I'm telling you to stay away from any betting advice that I give you. Although. I did try and do a prop bet. I will say I'm not a, I'm not a huge gambler. I had a buddy tell me, "Hey, check out FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're already on FanDuel's uh, uh, daily page, then they could you know you can use that to do the sports books." And so I was like, "All right, I'll do this." And uh, I was gonna put a bet on the the Chiefs fullback Sherman, Shermer, Sherman to score a touchdown. Sherman. Yeah, I, and I was just gonna throw a prop bet on there. Uh, I was gonna put ten bucks on it. I don't even remember what I would have won, but it would have been a substantial amount of money. And for whatever reason, my app sort of wasn't working right. And I didn't get the bet in on time. And so I didn't get it. And then he scored. So maybe maybe I am good at it. I probably would have just been lucky. So don't listen to me. I have no idea.
1: The advice that I give is it's a lot. View it like poker or blackjack. Because most people have played cards. Or you've done some sort of slot machine. In all those scenarios, you have a feeling. You have a gut feeling. You know that you have a winning hand, or you have a winning—whether on a slot machine, it's a winning hand. View it like sports betting. If you have a—if you have a trust, if you have a gut feeling, or you trust yourself that this is going to work, then do it. But do it with a limit. Always have a limit. It's—I I mean, one thing. That's so important to me when I talk about sports betting is to preach responsible gambling and to give yourself a limit, have a limit in mind on how much you're willing to bet and how much you're willing to lose. And don't cross over those thresholds because responsible gaming is so important. It's a, it's a, it's a form of entertainment. It's fun. It adds to the way you watch a game, especially if you bet on teams that you're not a fan of, but do it in a responsible way. Don't, don't get to the point where it does become an addiction. And that's what I always preach. Give yourself a limit, put a money limit on how much you're willing to bet and how much you're willing to lose. But as for this game, it's just run away from it. Like I almost, if you're going to bet on this game spread the over, under because it, it legitimately could go any way possible. Yeah,
0: I think what you do is if you were going to bet on this game, you take however much money it was that you were willing to lose on it, put it in a nice little pile, light it on fire, and it will keep you warm for a moment, and that will be uh, about the same value. That's uh, pretty much what I think you should do there. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll do a preview of the AFC West, and then we'll do a little whip around the, the rest of the league, uh, and then we'll wrap things up.
1: Before we get into an AFC West schedule preview at least we're not falcons fans
0: <laughs> it's been it's been rough actually uh, look, before we even talk about the afc west let's just talk about the fact that the falcons and the packers play on monday night and i i think the thing that makes that game the most interesting is I, i'm just curious like how big of a lead can the falcons lose because that has become their thing right ever since that super bowl loss to the to the patriots how big a lead can they lose? Because I think they're going for a record. That's got to be what it is, right? And how does Dan Quinn still have a job? I know. I, I mean, at a certain point, don't you have to move
1: on from a guy who can't finish? They can't finish. Like, Yeah, we, we talk about the Broncos not being able to finish. They're not giving up, like, 15-point leads with, like, five minutes left.
0: It, it's like watching... Tim Tebow against the the Jets or the the Dolphins every week against against the Falcons, just or speak. the Bears or the Bears. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I I I think Dan Quinn should be fired just because you have to do something to save face if you're the Falcons and just moving on at this point is maybe the only thing they can do. I just don't know what it really does to to help them out. So, I, who knows how big a lead they'll blow on Monday night? But it'll be a big one. That's my prediction.
1: And I, In terms of the AFC West, I, I think that the Chiefs are going to have rather ease with the New England Patriots. It will be interesting, though, to see what Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs' defense does with Cam Newton. I think that's the one aspect of this that's interesting because I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to even slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because I don't think there's a defense in the NFL that's capable of doing that. Maybe the Seahawks, I don't know. Maybe the Packers. They may have the team, because the last time those two teams met last season, the Packers won. So I don't I, I don't think that game is going to be close. I think the Bills are going to blow out the Raiders. And there is one positive. At least the Raiders lost last week.
0: Yeah, so at least good.
1: they're they not 3-0. and It really
0: felt good. I like it when they lose. Yeah, it's, a, it's not like a fun week uh, in the NFL. I don't see a ton of games on here. In fact, I, I think the only game I see on here that – is is really interesting? Is the Steelers and the Titans? And we talked about that before we came back. Do they do they even get the
1: game in? I, I mean, how do they? Because the Titans aren't even going to be allowed to get into their facility until Saturday. I, I mean, I just don't
0: I just don't see it happening. I, I suppose uh, you know you're adjusting bye weeks at that point. Is the does the NFL have a contingency plan for this? That that's the other question, and I guess we're going to find out if the NFL has some type of plan in place for something like this, because the other game that, that you have on the books that is going to be affected is Vikings and Texans. You know, I mean, those two games, while it's only two games, how how much is this going to impact the rest of the season? How much is this going to impact what happens in week four? I, there There's a lot to be answered here, and I guess, I guess we'll find out over the course of the next few days as we are recording this on Tuesday. Uh, so we'll find out you know, probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, things will start to come out with what's going on. But it's crazy to think that you may end up losing two games this week uh, from the NFL schedule because of the coronavirus and, and what's going on with the protocols that they've got put in place. I just don't see how they play those games.
1: And this is where, if you haven't heard or or if you don't know, the Titans had a COVID outbreak. I think it's eight people in the organization tested positive. Was it three or four so,
0: players? I don't remember which one.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's three or four players, but eight members of the organization. So they've been forced to close down their facility until Saturday. No one is allowed at the Titans facility throughout that time. So the last I heard or saw, there's still the NFL still plans on playing this game. I don't know how you can do that with a team that's not even at its facility practicing. But this is 2020, so who the hell knows? Not us. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.